Today is Sunday, March 27th, 2016, and this is episode 154 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Callett. Hey, Jerry. How are you, sir? I'm super peachy keen. How are you? I am good. Uh, Regular listeners may realize that we skipped a week, and we actually didn't. This is actually our second attempt at 154. The first version of 154, I, I'm not allowed to say what happened to the first version of 154, but it involves a judge and the feds, and that's all I can say. So this will be You've already said too much. injunction-free 154. You've already said too much. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm good. It's Sunday, uh, which means tomorrow's Monday, which is less good. Yeah, but you got to get through Monday to get back to Friday. It's true. Sure. I have been enjoying, and I know you're too old for this hip stuff, but I really have been enjoying uh, Daredevil Season 2, by the way, which is exceptionally well done. I know you. this is one of those TV things that you don't know about. Is that like Matlock? Close. You know what? Actually, uh, Daredevil's character is a lawyer, which is a lot like Matlock. Huh. Sounds interesting. It is. Uh, in other news, I got a second cat this weekend. Yes. So I have two. two. So so will they be joining the, the, the show as regular guests now? Uh, well, you know, Caesar occasionally makes an appearance. Caesar, the security kitty. Fiona is the new kitty, and she's not even one yet, and she's currently in kitty jail, uh, or as we call it, uh, kitty super fun time land, uh, mm. which is a room that we built with all sorts of kitty things to keep her occupied and happy as she's slowly getting integrated into the house. So it'll probably be actually a good two weeks before she's free roaming in the house and then may indeed make a drive by on the show. We'll see. So fun things like the Iron Maiden. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And we've got some slaves in there who, who that she can torture. Nice. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that she had a nice variety of toys, both human and non-human to play with. Um, well, it's good. And, and completely unrelated news. There is uh, a neighbor boy that's missing. And I think some police are looking for him right now, but I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> wow. Um, so well, it's been it's been an exciting couple of weeks. We've been busy, yeah. and work's been absolutely kicking my ass. So um, I've never been this busy. I don't think at my job. Well, it's better than the other way around, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. Anything new and exciting with you before we jump into stories? Uh, nope. Okay, great. Then stories. Let's go. Well, uh, before we before we get started, just a reminder, the thoughts and opinions we express on the show are ours and do not represent those of our employers. The other thing to mention is that, uh, just a reminder, Hack in the Box Amsterdam happens uh, May 23rd through 27th. Um, if you want tickets, you can get a discount by using the, uh, the, the discount code Defensive Security. And uh, the, just a reminder that the show website is at conference.hitb.org and you can find all the, the, the links to register and get tickets there. Uh, apparently we just got some some news recently that 
they've added a new track and they're accepting another round of papers or, or talk, uh, talk proposals. Uh, so if you have a 30 minute idea, 30 minute long idea for a talk and, uh, you'll be in Amsterdam around that time, you know, look them up. So, cool. yeah, uh, we don't know much about it yet, but O'Reilly, the publisher just, uh, announced a new conference that's right up our alley. That's right. It's uh, Halloween, isn't it? It's on Halloween. This yeah, year. in New York City. New York City. Um, and it's uh, all about uh, defensive security. And in fact, they're even using defensive sec as a hashtag, which yeah. hopefully will get some just unintended bleed over onto us because to- we're good at riding coattails. Totally. That's but. Right. Uh, so we don't know much about it yet. We were supposed to actually uh, sync up with somebody from O'Reilly to talk about it, to see if we might go, we might talk. I don't know. It seems something that we would be keen on, but we got busy and we suck. Yep. All right. So speaking of getting busy, let's get on to some stories. Oh, my. I yep. just, wow. Yep. Speaking of getting busy, by the way, your mom said I. Whoa. I'm Sure she did. Anyway. uh, Shots fired. (laughs) First story tonight comes from threatpost.com, and the title is, as soon as Windows 10 would get out of the damn way. That's uh, an odd name for a title. Yeah. APT attackers flying more false flags than ever. So this is something we have been talking about uh, and complaining about for quite some time. Apparently, there was some some discussions at Kansak West recently by a couple of Kaspersky researchers talking about how there are uh, apparently a, a number of APT actors who are starting to, or maybe they've been doing it for a while, uh, obscure their tracks by, um, by copying the techniques and tactics and, and kind of planting, as they say in the title, false flags to throw off uh, researchers. And you know, we've, we've talked about this for quite some time and so it's a great bit of confirmation bias to see this in print you know because <laughs> absolutely. yeah absolutely because you know my my concern for a long time is by the way has been that we rely as an industry very heavily on these you know indicators which are things like you know time zones these things are typically embedded in malware or you know the ip addresses of command and control systems but you know we were, were relying on things like time zone settings and language settings and directory names, assuming apparently that, you know, somebody who's super sophisticated enough to include zero days or, you know, what have you into malware can't quite figure out that they should, you know, change some of that stuff. Um, so anyway, here's a, an interesting story that apparently, you know, at, at least it's um, that, that kind of... Um, deception is starting to be adopted by some of these actors so you know look out if you're uh you know if, if you're if you're trying to do the attribution thing it's true and it's it's interesting and this kind of <clears throat> brings up a, a bit of a side related topic which is unless you're a government organization or an incredibly sophisticated mature security group for a large multinational I don't know that attribution really matters at all to a security group. Knowing who did it doesn't really change your situation, doesn't really change your response. It doesn't really change your defenses. Uh, I would say all it really 
does is perhaps make your executives happy because they like to ask, hey, who did it? Uh, from a law enforcement standpoint, I, it's incredibly rare that law enforcement is actually going to find and prosecute someone, especially if they're coming from overseas. So I don't know that I'd be that worried about who did it. I think I'd be a lot more worried about what they did and how they did it than I would be who did it personally. Yeah, I, I think there there may be some utility in it, but you know so if you are you know if you're if you're responding to a complicated attack, you know, and you're trying to kick someone out, it is useful to know that, you know, it's it's a maybe a, a more advanced opportunistic type attack versus some, you know, let's say the, I don't know, the Chinese government, right? And I use that rhetorically. Um, who, You're saying who, the Chinese don't have a government? No, no. I'm saying that, you know, it, it could be the U.S. government or the Israeli government or the Iranian government or the North Korean government, some government who who aren't, who's going to give up, right? That, there is some utility in knowing that, um just because you kicked them out, you found them and you kicked them out, does, you know, if, if it's, if you know that it's an attacker is specifically targeting you, um, there's some value in knowing that. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, especially if you're here in the U.S. and you find out that, oh my gosh, uh, you know, we've got Iranian hackers on our, on our servers. What are you going to do with that? You know? Right. I, I don't, I, you know, here's the other thing this, that this article brings up that once an, a common attribution indicator, kind of like a compromise indicator, is known. It's trivial for another group to spoof it. And yeah. why wouldn't they? Yep. That's good OPSEC. Uh, you know, so fundamentally, I think this whole attribution thing is really being driven, I think, by a demand from the market at a senior level. In other words, I think executives want to know who did it. And that's driving a lot of marketing efforts by these threat intel and security companies that are trying to satisfy that ask. Uh, but I'm not sure we're good at this yet. I don't think we really have this figured out yet. And I frankly think that we are um, kind of making it up as an industry right now and that, uh, or at least we're somewhat deluding ourselves that we're good at attribution because I don't think we are. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, some people say, well, if it comes from the government, they certainly, you know, they've got all this private insight and they've got intelligence agencies and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I think what the government knows and what they choose to tell us may be two entirely different things. Because almost always when a government organization, at least the U.S. government, is releasing something to the public, there's a reason that's usually political behind it. So I don't know that I trust anything at face value that the government says. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no utility in them publicizing those details, well, right? It, it, well, there is utility. It's their utility. It's putting pressure on a foreign government. It's you know right. influencing some negotiation that we don't know anything about, or some trade deal that's coming up. Or there's there's a thousand different moving components that they take into account when they're talking about attribution. Uh, so it's rarely a pure discussion around. Oh well, we think Canada did this. Well, I, I guess my 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 point is I, I I'm not sure there's utility relative to the attack at hand in in discussing who who did it. I think, like you said, there's a lot of utility from a uh, you know from the perspective of international relations. Um, but you know, in terms of 
you know, stopping the attack or finding the bad guy who or girl who who did this. I don't think it's 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 not terribly productive uh, for the government to release those details. But right, you know, hey, um, I guess there's one other. As I think about it, there's one other pro- probable bit of utility in knowing um, who's behind the attack, and that is, what were they after? Okay. Well, that's more of a what or a how, but sure. Right, but, but yeah, I, the who the who could indicate motive. Right, and and so if you know if you if you find an actor on your on your network, there's knowing that a it's it's a it's a concerted attack or a targeted attack versus an opportunistic attack is is useful, and then b what were they after? Well, if you find an actor, they're probably just looking for a role because. You know, they're yeah. starving. True. Well, they're in Hollywood work. anyway. So That's right. It's tough work for actors. I mean, they either got to be bus boys or bartenders or hackers, right? Until they can get their <laughs> first big... No, that's not what you meant? No, no that's oh. not what I meant. Not at all. We'll just cut this part from the show, I'm sure. You wouldn't possibly leave this in to make me look silly. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. So moving on to our next story, which comes from CSO Online, and the title is Verizon's Breach Experts Missed One Right Under Their Noses. Oh, Oh, my goodness. So Verizon Enterprise was totally hacked. All of their customer data was... Oh, no, not all their customer data. Um, Well, actually, we don't really know what customer data was hacked, but apparently it was a million and a half of something... I have heard through rumor mills that it was very light in details. It was customer names, uh, email addresses, phone numbers, maybe mailing addresses, and that's about it, is what I've heard. But take that with a huge grain of salt. None of that's been official, but that is sort of some stuff I saw floating around on the Twitters. You know, the the thing that struck me is a million and a half records, right? I don't I mean, I, I know Verizon's, a, you know, very successful, Verizon Enterprise, I should say. This is different than Verizon, the phone company, and Verizon, the, the ISP, Verizon Enterprise, the people who do the DBIR, and they have other... other which we love. Which We're we big love. Fans of the Absolutely. DBIR. Big shout out. Absolutely. Um, I cannot imagine that there are a million and a half... Verizon Enterprise customer, so I'm left wondering well, what on earth Okay, was let's stolen. think about this for a second, though. If, if this was some sort of custom relations database, any prospect would also be in that system. Possibly. I'm and more... typically, you know, if this is what I think it is, uh, and I'm just making some assumptions here, when you've got potential businesses or potential customers, you typically put them in the system and assign them to a certain sales rep so that other reps don't compete for the same business. So anytime that there's ever been a possibility of doing uh, interaction with a customer, uh, potential customer, pre-sales, uh, unsolicited reach out, whatever it is, they could have ended up in a, in a customer relation database. Now, do we know that that's what was stolen? No, but I agree with you. They probably don't have 1.5 million active or previously active paying customers. My guess is if it's 1.5 million customer records, then this is probably uh, potential customers as well. 
Yeah, I was wondering if things like um, you know people who registered to download the DBIR were in that list. Oh, that that's a good point. Absolutely, absolutely. Which would be very ironic. <laughs> so, I do have a bit of a rant. I know this may come as a surprise. That most really? of these stories, I know, it's shocking. It's you know, it's. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. All right, go ahead. Um. Most of these stories keep implying this. Whoa, isn't Verizon stupid? They're the guys helping everybody else, and they got hacked. This may take a little bit of explanation, because this is one that's hard to explain in, in, in very, very, very succinct terms. But, but I will try. The folks who are out doing investigation, remediation, and recovery work for Verizon customers are not the same guys working on Verizon's enterprise IT gear. Mm-hmm. Right? They're busy. They're out making money. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and here's where I bet I, people will vastly disagree with me. I am almost positive that any organization that employs hardcore security guys for customer engagements will at some point have this bright idea of why don't we use these guys on our own network? Or, hey, we're a managers provider. We run firewalls and IDSs and WAFs and whatnot for, for customers. Why doesn't our managed services group also run it for our own company? Because they've got the core competency and they've got the capabilities. I say no. I say that's not a good idea. And I think your internal IT folks should be separate and distinct from your customer engagement and your um, revenue-generating organization for lots of different reasons. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, we've both been there. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen the other end of that spear. And, and, and this may not be intuitive because so often have I fought many, 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 many otherwise incredibly intelligent, smart executives who think... This is a no-brainer. We've got the guys doing it for customers. Why wouldn't we do it for us? And here are my very, very, very short list of reasons. And, and I apologize. I can't go into further detail for the sake of time. But I think that there's a conflict of interest and potentially a conflict of ethics by having your revenue-generating folks work on your internal IT. If there's ever a, a competition between working for a customer or working for yourself, the customer is always going to win. Always. They pay the bills. Yep. And your internal IT group is not under those pressures and concerns and issues of generating revenue and keeping customers happy. They're, they're about keeping the internal company happy. But they have a different, especially your internal security group, has a different role of potentially finding hostile, intentional, or otherwise insiders in your organization. And they have a different standard of ethics for dealing with internal data. Now, I'm not saying that the customer focus group can't be incredibly ethical, but I'm saying it's a different set of expectations, a different set of pressures. So there's different motivations, there's different leadership, and different goals of an external customer focus organization and internal IT, even if they have the exact same skill set, or even if the external organization has a better skill set, they have a different motivation and therefore are not necessarily the best suited to run those internal IT operations for that company. Well, so I guess a couple of things. Number one is we don't know that any of that had any relevance 
to this. Because You're we, correct. We, I just use this as a chance yeah, to rant we, about something that's happened in the past. We, we don't know who ran it. I mean, it's entirely possible this thing was entirely outsourced. We we really have no clue. I mean, and by the way, we didn't actually yeah. talk about what did or did not happen. Oh, that's so, true. Sorry. So apparently, um, well, my partly my fault, Brian Krebs actually found this, right? So, uh, so apparently Brian found on a cybercrime forum um, a MongoDB database that was for sale, uh, which purported to come from this uh, he apparently contacted Verizon and um, you know they said oh thank you we'll uh, we fixed the problem and we will begin notifying people so uh, or that were affected so there's really not a lot of detail there's some supposition in this CSO online article that somehow some way the the attacker uh, as they say uh, uh, forced the MongoDB database to dump its contents so, um, don't we really don't know yet exactly how it happened, um, but you know apparently it seems like it did happen. Um, I think the, the 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 problem I have, or the concern I have, and notwithstanding everything you just said, is that regardless of whoever was managing the stuff, right? It's you. One would think that the the in, who's ever running that would be able to benefit from the knowledge that Verizon, you know, who produces the DBIR and that report that we talked about two weeks ago and, and other, you know, good material would, would be on top of such things. And so that's, you know, however yeah. that comes to be. But I think that's, I think that's where a lot of the concern that, that I've been seeing in the industry, um, I think that's, what, that's the genesis of that. Well, it's often the case that the, you know, the cobbler's son has no shoes, that the internal IT group may not be well-funded or well-staffed or anything else. And, and there may be lots of politics between those organizations. We don't know. Um, yep. I, I guess I just, I, I took a little bit of umbrage at the Snickers at Verizon for, you know, they're supposed to be the smart guys. And um, we need to keep in mind that it's different parts of the organizations. No, that's fair. Now, that may be changing right now. We don't know, right? I'm sure that <laughs> there's a lot of internal discussion going on right now and knee-jerking, but yeah. I would imagine so. So, yeah, if there's more to report there, we'll uh, we'll follow up. And speaking of follow-ups, we, we talked about this next story last week, and here's an interesting update. Um, recall that the Central Bank of Bangladesh had, uh, had been uh, attempted to be robbed of a approximately a billion dollars was apparently indeed robbed of 81 million dollars and at the at the time there was lots of finger pointing the, the the just to make sure everybody's up to speed right the central bank of bangladesh had a has a bunch of money stored at the federal reserve bank of new york apparently there were a whole spate i think there were 36 or uh, or more requests to transfer money, the Bangladesh Central Bank money, out of the New York Fed to different uh, entities. Some of which, by the way, were uh, it, where the money ended up in casinos. It's not entirely clear exactly how it got there. Um, there are, by the way, some other reports that we're not going to talk about where apparently in the Philippines there have been in, uh, some indictments of people who... Uh, who apparently were involved in this. So big, kind of a big deal. 
Um, but anyway, the and and the resignation of a bank official. Yes, the central. I think the governor of the central bank of Bangladesh resigned, saying that he takes moral responsibility for this. Craziness afoot. Uh, and then there, then there was another story which I don't, we don't have here. But apparently, the IT expert associated with the Central Bank of Bangladesh uh, was mysteriously abducted in a rickshaw, and then, and then sub- subsequently reappeared somewhere. Unabducted. Yeah, and then un- I don't know if they brought him back in the rickshaw. I I didn't read that story yet. I, I maybe they just had a fence that needed some painting or something. I don't know. Could be. So, uh, anyway, the the new the new news are well. Let me let me just finish the the story there. So that last week, the Central Bank of Bangladesh was pointing fingers at the New York Fed, saying, "How could you let this happen? This is clearly your you know partly your responsibility." And there's been lots of news stories about how the Central Bank of Bangladesh is considering a lawsuit or you know, legal action against the New York Fed because, oh my gosh, how could you know they they had to be complicit. Then there's this new this story comes from the Wall Street Journal, which indicates a uh, apparently the Wall Street Journal saw a uh, uh, an interim report uh, investigating the computer systems of the Central Bank of Bangladesh, performed by none other than Mandiant. So, um, I you know I, it's not clear to me or and it's not described in the article how. Uh, the Washington, or sorry, the Wall Street Journal came in possession of that report. But uh, be that as it may, the uh, the report apparently indicates that the uh, the central bank's computers, um, as many as thirty two of their computers, had been compromised for several weeks, and there's apparently indications that some attackers had been monitoring uh, actions using keyloggers and remote access trojans. And that sort of thing. So yet you know, another interesting data point in that these really big, bad, nasty breaches tend to span a long time period. It's true. And warning, this particular article is behind the paywall at the Wall Street Journal because Jerry hates you, just so you know. That's true. Although if you if you go to Google news.google.com and you search for Bangladesh Central Bank hack, the first result is this uh, Wall Street Journal if you click through there, you know you can get to it without the paywall. Um, I believe there's some other tricks you can you can use. You know, like anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Google it, my friends. You'll figure it out. <laughs> just just warning. Just you know, some people get very upset, rightly so, about linking to a paywall, buddy. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the story not behind the paywall. So. All right, fair enough. Uh, anyhow, there, uh, you know, the, there's still some swirling uh, intrigue here because apparently the, you know, the the SWIFT network, which was was the 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 mechanism used to transfer money around between major banks and central banks, um, allegedly, as I read, and I don't think it's described in this particular article, but requires things like full handprints. I mean, it sounds like. Um, Sounds very, you know, James Bondish. So, uh, I, I, you know, I can only imagine that there's, you know, people wandering around with in little hand scanners. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, uh, th- it sounds like the, the the central bank of Bangladesh isn't quite 
ready to relinquish the the New York Fed of their responsibilities. But it certainly does seem like uh, this may have been a relatively I don't want to say garden variety because there's a you know there's an insinuation in this article that the attack was was highly tailored to this uh, into this victim, um, but you know we see this we see the the bones of this uh, this kind of attack play out a lot against a lot of organizations. Just rarely with this much money involved. Well, you know that's the thing that's the thing to keep in mind is you know if you if if you are an attacker, you're an organized crime syndicate. And you're after a billion dollars, you know, that's, you, you are, you know, dare I say it, you're probably, um, you're probably, you know, scouring the under underworld looking for venture capital to finance your, your you know, high-end cyber crime developers or whatever. So, um, you know, this is, um, this is uh, an interesting interesting time we live in. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I do think that this is the type of attack that a lot of larger organizations, probably even outside of government, really have to be cognizant of because, you know, the corporate treasuries of many companies are very large. And, um, you know, there's nothing to say that, uh, you know, very big, very, very large company, uh, as we've seen, you know, in, in the CEO you know, send send lots of money to China because we're going to buy this company. Types of phishing attacks. You know, this is a this seems like the next iteration of of that s- style of attack. So, anyway. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And uh, I'm thinking there's clearly more money on the uh, on the breach side of the house. Maybe we should offer up our services to the bad guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's I'm it's kidding. certainly looking that way, isn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, so I'm sure this is not the last time we'll be talking about this story, but um, it continues to evolve. Uh, hopefully, by the way, the report will. You know, I, I, there's no indication that it will or won't, but hopefully, the report for Mandiant will someday be released. Uh, that would be most most useful to us. Uh, and then the final story we have for tonight is uh, another Krebs story, and the title is Hospital Declares Internal State of Emergency After Ransomware Infection. So, you know, this is uh, becoming a regular feature on the show, and unfortunately, uh, it seems like hospitals, for whatever reason, are becoming very common targets. At least they're the common ones that are being reported in the news. Right, I'm just going to say that. (laughs) So, it's like shark attacks, right? Yeah. Well, I, I suspect lots of other organizations are, are getting attacked in successfully, but we just don't hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. The, the well, in- hospitals are scary, right? I mean, the concept of your hospital being down because of some wily hacker is, is visceral to a lot of people. Well, true. And apparently this one was, um, you know, they did enact their their emergency protocols and you know, their their website indicated that they were uh, operating under emergency conditions and I um, so I think this is similar to what we saw in some of the other cases by the way this is the Methodist Hospital in Henderson Kentucky in case we didn't mention that already and uh, it was lackey what was interesting 
about this one as compared to some of the others is that apparently the the hospital recognized relatively early that the infection was in process and they shut off all of their computers basically and uh, and contained it to i think they said just a hand just a small handful of of systems and uh with a total ransom of $1,600. And uh, it says they haven't, as of at least the time this was written, they haven't decided whether they're going to pay the ransom or not. But apparently they um, they they have, sounds like they had a uh, some kind of a protocol in response to this, you know, this particular type of uh, scenario, and, and it worked. Which, frankly, is, is a good idea. You know, you probably need to have a good DR-type plan for ransomware. Yeah. Especially self-propagating ransomware, as opposed to onesie-twosies. Yep, absolutely. So uh, Because I think it's it's going to keep getting worse. I think this is our new common problem that a lot of organizations are going to have to deal with. And this particular story says, as you might expect, it came in through a spam email with uh, uh, basically a malicious attachment. On the on the file on the on the email. Yeah, and I, I will tell you, I, I I have an opportunity to see across lots of, um, you know, a, a broad swath of uh, of companies, and I see this, not just Lockheed, but other you know other pieces of ransomware, it is really common. I mean, disturbingly common. And I I don't think it's devastating in many cases because of different things, you know, like they, you know, they, they have uh, good isolation or they have application whitelisting or, you know, whatever, whatever reasons. Um, but it does occasionally turn pretty bad. Uh, but man, we're, we're on a, we're on a bad trajectory here with, with ransomware. And, uh, you know, we're gonna, we, we gotta take this more serious. It's true. So one other thing, uh, I'm sure you saw the indictment of seven Iranians for supposedly hacking into a dam. Oh yeah, that was big news. <laughs> but did did I, you see a picture of the dam? By the way, uh, yeah, it like it's a, tiny. It was like a it's, little. Looks like, like a, a looks like a garage door. Yeah, it's a little sluice gate, like you'd have in like you know. We're not talking about you know, Hoover Dam here. Or, yeah. Sue locks or anything. It's tiny. But, um, you know, once again, this is an example of, I think, probably, you know, a little politically motivated. Now, whether or not these guys actually did it, but do you think the U.S. government's ever going to have an opportunity to actually prosecute these guys? Well, again, I think it comes down to international relations, right? I mean, the it's an interesting time in the history of relationship between Iran and the U.S. You know, there's there was a recent, um, you know, I, I believe, if memory serves right, there was a recent uh, some recent progress in the whole nuclear uh, arms bit, and I, so I suspect this is part of a a broader strategic play. I'm I'm thinking, and so. I guess long story short, it's it's conceivable, right? I mean, it's it's conceivable, right. but at the same time, I, I, you know, it's not really been clear exactly how they, um, you know, how these hackers got in. But it sounds an awful lot like, you know, well, maybe it was just sitting out on the internet and they connected to it and they realized that they 
they could click a little button and open and close the dam and and that's hacking uh, so you, you know you got to put it in, into the right perspective and also by the way i'm not seeing any indication that they were you know associated with the government either so not i i don't know yeah it's, it's a you know, it just it just seems like uh, you know maybe some people. By the way, yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, earlier this week. There was the, the uh, or I guess it was early this weekend, the whole VNC roulette thing. Did you see that? I did, and I was afraid of it. Very, very afraid. <laughs> and I, 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 I couldn't but help but think. You know, what if you got into VNC roulette, and you know you, <laughs> you know, up comes the control system for a dam. <laughs> And and now you can you know you can click the open and close button and now you too are a nation state hacker. So it's not kind of like you know when you're kind of screwing with your garage door and it open close open open close close open open like and it just you know like goes halfway and then you close it and it can start getting mad at you because you won't let it go. The basically yeah. Is that what happened? I think so. I, I can only assume. Yeah. So I don't know. That joke was terrible. I I I. I'm bad for saying that joke, and should, I feel bad. You should feel bad. I do. I really do. Um, yes, VNC roulette. I just I'm frightened by that. You know, I, I am forever, forever scarred by chat roulette and a few other, especially the various video chatting roulette systems. That just you. So I you weren't the one scarring people. You were scarred by it. Correct. Correct. I was okay. Yeah, I, I've seen things that I can never unsee. Understand. <laughs> war, war changes a man. I get it. I get it. Well, so on the happy note, that that is the show for this week. And uh, thank you again to everyone for listening. Uh, all uh, there's there's a whole bunch of you now. So thanks thanks to everyone. Thank you. Special thank you to everybody who's donated to our Patreon campaign. Uh, if you like the show, give us. A, uh, give us some love on iTunes. We we really love some of the feedback we've been getting. It's, it's really uh, really very cool. Um, we've we've gotten some great comments and email lately. I'm almost caught up, but um, if you like, send us an email to info at defensivesecurity.org with your comments. Uh, you can find the links to the stories we talked about today on our website www.defensivesecurity.org. You can follow the show on Twitter. At Defensive Sack, you can follow Mr. Callow on Twitter at Lurg and me on Twitter at Malicious Link. And uh, anything else you wanted to cover? Just thanks, everybody, for listening. We love you guys. Really appreciate you uh, tuning in every week. Yeah, thank you. And uh, with that, we will talk again next week. Thanks a lot. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Like, no, no, I, I disagree. I think now you're just a f***tard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.